Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henman. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel Ohio. And so tonight we find ourselves in Luke chapter 17, verses 22 to 37 is our text. 22 to 37, we'll finish out that chapter tonight. Our message is entitled, The Second Coming of Jesus. The Second Coming of Jesus. I'm always the last one there to give you more time, right? You should be there. Luke chapter 17, verse 22, it begins. And he, that is Jesus, said to the disciples. Now, last week, Jesus introduced this most important subject called the kingdom of God. And we unpacked that in full last week. And and so here in verse 22, Jesus is building on that concept. And he's going to start talking to us about his second coming. It continues. Verse 22 again. Well, first, the insight, the first insight, let me give you this in the notes. I forgot to give it to you. Fill this in in your notes. The first insight that Jesus gives us about his second coming is this. It will not come immediately. It will not come immediately. The first thing he's going to tell his disciples, tell us here in verse 22, is it will not come immediately. Verse 22 again. And he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. That is, Jesus is telling his disciples that, you know, down the road in the interim of time, those who are following Jesus are going to have a longing for him to come back. They're going to have a desire to see Jesus come back and establish his kingdom. Anybody have that longing right now? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Verse 22 again. The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not, what? See it. That is, Jesus is saying, listen, I'm not coming back immediately. Verse 23, and they will say to you, look there or look here. And so Jesus is telling us, listen, Satan is going to take advantage of that longing that people have in their hearts. And he's telling us up front that, look, there are going to be other people who come claiming to be the Messiah, claiming that they are me. Don't be deceived by them. Verse 23 again, Jesus says, And they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out or what? Or follow them. That is, from Jesus' time to the present, people have been saying, you know, you know, Jesus is over there or he's over here. You know what? He's coming back on this day. By the way, one thing that you know, if you ever hear somebody say that Jesus is coming back on this day, one thing that you know for absolutely certain, it's not going to be that day. But from the beginning, historically, Satan 
has done a good job of preying on this longing that people have. In fact, in Israel's history since Jesus' time, we know of at least 64 different messiahs that have risen up and claimed to be Jesus and misled people and deceived them to destruction. In the United States, if, you, if you're my age, <laughs> you remember people like David Koresh and Jim Jones and, and Sung Young Moon who have claimed to be the Messiah and led people away and to their destruction. And so listen, if people say Jesus is over there, no, he isn't. And if Jesus says, or if the people say Jesus is over there, Jesus says, no, I'm not. <laughs> because here's the second insight that Jesus gives us about his second coming. Number one, it won't come immediately, but number two, it's not going to come secretly. It will not come secretly. Take a look at verse 24. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, what? So will the Son of Man be in his day. That is, Jesus is saying, when I come back, it's going to be super obvious. <laughs> it's not going to be hidden. <laughs> you know, the, the, it will be like lightning, lighting the sky from one end of the planet to the other. That is, Everybody's going to know it's me. Nobody's going to doubt it. There's going to be no mystery going on. <laughs> Verse 25. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. That is the next thing that Jesus says about his second coming. Is it's not going to come without his suffering first. Fill that into your notes. It won't come immediately, it won't come secretly, and it's not going to come without his suffering first. That is, listen, Jesus had to go to the cross first. And, and listen, every time, <clears throat> we've seen this throughout our study of the gospel, Luke, every time that Jesus starts talking about this with his disciples, they struggle with it. They, they don't want to engage. They don't want to ask any questions. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to talk about it because they're afraid. But the reality is, if Jesus didn't come and suffer for humanity first, listen, there would, would be no kingdom of God on earth because we would be lost in sin and death. And so the amazing thing is, Jesus did come in humility, became a baby, became a man, and was mocked, beaten, crucified. On a cross, he died so that we could live. He died so that we could be saved from sin and death. He died so that we could have entrance into the kingdom of God and we could have participation in that kingdom. And so listen, Jesus' second coming is not going to come immediately. It's not going to come secretly. It's not going to come without Jesus suffering first, verse 26. Just as it was, now, now Jesus is actually going to look back to two Old Testament examples to tell us about what is the condition of the earth going to be like. 
What's the culture going to be like? What's going to be going on when Jesus comes back? And he says this, fill this in your note. What the condition of the world is going to be like, you can fill this in. It'll be just like the days of Noah and just like the days of Lot. It will be just like the days of Noah and just like the days of Lot. We'll unpack that, what that means here in a minute. It'll be just like the days of Noah, just like the days of Lot. Verse 26 again. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. And so what were people doing in the days of Noah before God's judgment fell upon them? Verse 27, they were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and what? Destroyed them all. Well, listen, if we go back to Genesis chapter 6 and we take a look at what was going on in that culture at that time, the Bible tells us that we know at that time that there was a great population explosion. The numbers of people on the earth was great at that time. Genesis also tells us that violence was on the rise in the culture at that time. It also tells us that the wickedness of man was great. In fact, it says every intention of his heart was continuously evil. And so the headlines of the day were, you know, violence, too many people, corruption, moral degradation. But it was... It was considered normal. Because in the midst of that culture, in the midst of that going on, people were just going about their lives. Listen, business as usual. Eating, drinking, thinking about their life, thinking about who they're going to get married to. No thought of God. No thought of judgment. Wasn't on their, wasn't on their radar didn't have any impact of how they chose to live their life, who they chose to marry, what career. they It had no impact on their thinking whatsoever. And so in the midst of that, the Bible says that God, or that Noah found favor in the eyes of God. And God warned Noah that he was going to destroy the earth. And so Hebrews 11 tells us that Noah, by faith, by faith in God's word, began to build an ark. And so listen, for the next 120 years, <laughs> 120 years, Noah began to build this ark out in his driveway, so to speak. And it was huge. It was enormous. And 2 Peter 5 tells us that he was also a preacher of righteousness. And so with every swing of the hammer, Noah was also preaching for, to people, telling them to turn from their sin and to put their faith in God so that they could be saved from the coming judgment. 
well, how did people respond? What, what happened? Well, they ridiculed him. They, they mocked him. God did not exist. There was no hell. There is no judgment. We're not accountable. I, you know, it's my life. I'm going to make my choices. I'm going to enjoy my life. Verse 27 again. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came. And this is what ultimately happened. And the flood, what? Destroyed them all. And so listen, what's going to be happening on the earth before Jesus comes back? Well, listen, people are going to go about their lives, business as usual. Not heeding Jesus' warning. Not thinking about the fact that there is a God and there is a judgment, not being prepared for what is to come. They're just going to be doing life. They're just going to be going to school and going to work and trying to figure out who they're going to marry and what they're going to do this Friday night and no thought of God, no thought of accountability, no thought of judgment, business as usual. Take a look at verse 28. Verse 28. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, now here Jesus is going to give his second example of what it's going to be like when he returns Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, and what were the people doing in the days of Lot? They were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven, and what? Destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the sun of man is what? Revealed, and that's, that's the book of Revelation, right? So again, back in Genesis, we go back to Genesis, and we look at the story of Lot, Lot, which is primarily in Genesis 18 and 19. It starts before then, but primarily there. We see the story that Abraham and Lot, they were traveling together because God called Abraham out and said, listen, I'm going to give you this land. And so Abraham and Lot are traveling together, but God blessed them so much. They had so many livestock that the shepherds were fighting with each other. <laughs> and so Abraham and Lot needed to split up because they had too much, too much blessing. And so Abraham told Lot, hey, you know, you pick whichever way you want to go. That's fine. I'll go the other way. And so Lot looked over towards Sodom. And it was lush, and there's water everywhere, and he goes, I'm going to go over there. So he pitched his tent near Sodom. The next time that we see Lot, we see that Lot is in Sodom, and he's a judge in the town. But then God comes to Abraham, and he tells 
Abraham, listen, I'm going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah for their sexual immorality. And their sexual immorality was great. They, everything was going on in Sodom from premarital sex to sex with young kids to homosexuality was a big one. And so listen, in like manner, today we enthusiastically celebrate Pride Month. Our culture is obsessed with wanting to have sex with who we want, when we want, and how we want. We don't want anyone telling us any different. It is amazing how many issues that we have in culture, in the political scene, that can be reduced to just that. All this intellectual argument, and it is reduced to just the fact that I want to have sex with who I want to have sex with when I want. That's Sodom. And Abraham intercedes on behalf of Lot. Before God, he says, listen, God, if, if there's 30 righteous people in Sodom, will you, will you spare the city? And God says, yeah, I will. And Abraham works his way down to 10. He goes, listen, God, if there's 10 righteous, will you, will you spare the city? And God goes, yes, I will. But there weren't 10. And so judgment fell on that city. But first, take a look at verse 29 again. Jesus says, but on the day when Lot, what? Went out from Sodom, that is, God did send two angels to Lot's house. And those two angels warned Lot that, listen, God was going to judge the city and he needed to get out and not look back. Well, Lot took that information and then he tried to go to his son-in-laws and warn his son-in-laws. And what his son-in-laws did was laugh at him. Because the idea of God and the idea of judgment was a total joke to them. <laughs> they were living their lives, man. They were having fun. <laughs> the, the idea of leaving this, you know, the, this place that where all the life was, where stuff was happening, where all the fun was, where all the nightlife was, where all the restaurants, we're not leaving this. You, you want to go out there, go ahead. So the angels literally had to grab Lot and his wife and his two daughters and drag them out of the, the city and, and the fire and the sulfur fail. Annihilating Sodom and Gomorrah. And again, again, the people were not expecting it. They were going about their lives, business as usual, man, making their weekend plans, figuring out what they wanted to do with their house, having kids. Listen, not bad things, right? But listen, no thought of God. No thought of the coming judgment. God was not even on their radar. They didn't consider him. He didn't affect any of their thinking, any of their behavior, what they did. And that is what it will be like when Jesus returns. Verse 31. On that day, that is, if all this stuff is going to be happening, then 
then ultimately how should we respond? How should we live in light of that? Jesus is going to tell us, verse 31, on that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. That is, you know, if you just think about even in Noah's day, can you imagine people trying to, you know, take care of their house, trying to take care of the goods in their house when the, the rain's coming down and the water's beginning to rise? Can, can, can you just see them vainly trying to protect their property and their stuff? And so Jesus' point here is how, how foolish it is to put our life in that. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And, and likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember who? Lot's wife. That is in the book of Genesis with Lot's story. It tells us in disobedience to God's instruction, Lot's wife longingly looks back at her house. Maybe they just got through redoing the kitchen. She looks back at that house. She looks back at her life in Sodom. Her heart was attached to this world. And she turned into a pillar of salt. Verse 33, whoever seeks to preserve his life will what? Lose it. But whoever loses his life, what? Will keep it. I mean, Jesus has taught this multiple times in Luke. We've even talked about this many times. That listen, if we're living for this material kingdom, we're going to lose our life. If we're looking to find life in this material kingdom, in our own way, in stuff, in power, and possession, and pleasure, we are going to lose our life. But if we give our life to the author of life, to the spiritual kingdom, we actually find life. I know it feels like a paradox. A lot of things in God's kingdom is a paradox. My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts, says God. But ultimately, this is a temporal kingdom, is it not? This is a kingdom of darkness. And it will not last. It will come to nothing. It will burn just like Sodom. And so the question is this, where is your heart Listen, is it here? Are, are, are you trying to squeeze your life out of here? Or is it in heaven? Are you living for yourself? Are you, are you living to try to, you know, get your best life now? Or listen, are you living for an eternal kingdom? Are you living for something that's going to last beyond our, our breath, our vapor here? Fill this in. We prepare for the coming of the king 
by not being attached to this world. We prepare for Jesus coming back by not being attached to this world. That's Jesus' point. Now listen, God gives us blessings in this world. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong, right? Right? I mean, God blesses us. We're, we're to be grateful for the gifts, but here's what we do. You know, God gives us things, and we're to use things for his glory. We're to use things to, to produce good fruit, but we, we reverse it. And we start worshiping things, and we start living for things, and we look for our life to find our fulfillment in things. We, we pervert it, right? Verse 34, Jesus continues. I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken, and the other left. That is, fill this in your notes, the rapture will happen before the second coming of Jesus. The rapture will happen before the second coming of Jesus, and that just puts a smile on my face. <laughs> That is, listen, before Jesus comes in judgment and judges his enemies and judges those who are wicked, and we just affirm that we're not that at the first of our service, right? Before that, he is going to rescue his people from that coming judgment. Listen, just like in the days of Noah... Just like in the days of Lot, that is, this is God's pattern to rescue his people out from under his judgment upon the wicked. And so Jesus is going to come, and we are going to meet him in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4 and, and 1 Thessalonians 5 talk about that if you want to read that on your own later on, starting in verse 13, 4, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and following. We're going to meet Jesus in the air. And then listen, we talked about this last week. The Bible says when Jesus comes back in his second coming, we're actually coming with him. We're coming with him to establish his kingdom and to rule and reign with him. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's, that's good news. And so again, the question is this, are you prepared? That is, if Jesus were to come back tonight, and listen, nothing needs to happen for Jesus to come in terms of calling his people up. We are in the last hour. I know you felt it. I know you heard it when I was reading the word. How can you not? If Jesus comes back tonight, are you going to be Taken, or are you going to be left behind? And so, friend, my, my greatest, greatest angst for you tonight is this. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is Jesus the king of your life? 
Is God not a joke to you? Is judgment not a joke to you? So listen, you do submit to Jesus as king. He does control your thoughts, your thinking, your behavior, your decisions, your life. You know there is a coming judgment, and you live in light of that king and in light of his kingdom. If not, man, here's the deal. Jesus left heaven, came and died for you so that you can have entrance into the kingdom. Listen, he's done everything possible for you to escape judgment and to go into heaven with him to be on his team. But you got to choose. And listen, it's, it's not about knowing some stuff in the word. It's not about going to church. It's about knowing Jesus, knowing him as your personal savior and your personal king. Verse 37. Jesus ends. And they said to him, where, Lord? And he said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. <laughs> well, what in the world does that mean? Well, that's a metaphor to when the time, when the time's right, judgment will fall. When the time's right, you know, judgment will come upon the earth. And so fill this in. The second coming will happen at the time that judgment is ripe. The second coming will happen when the time of judgment is ripe, just like in Noah's day, just like in Lot's day. And so the time will come. The Bible says the Lord is patient. He's patient. He's forbearing with us in our sin. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But the time will come where God will say, I've waited as long as I possibly can. I've waited as long as I possibly I've sent out my gospel through us, through, through you and I. I've through the preachers of righteousness. That's us, just like Noah. I've called out to you to turn from your sin and turn to me, but I've waited as long as possible. Wickedness is to the point where time is up and judgment will fall, just like in Noah's day, just like in Lot's day. And it will be over. That is what Jesus is speaking into your life. That is what Jesus is prophesying to you right now. Do you hear him? Will you submit to him? Will you respond and be saved? Listen, saved from judgment, but listen, Enter into his life. Enter into his blessing now and forevermore. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.